Newsmakers is a production of Wisconsin Eye. To keep programs like this free and accessible to all, please consider a charitable gift to wisi.org slash donate or text WISI to 44321. This program is brought to you from Wisconsin Eye's Margaret Farrow Studio. Hello and welcome to Newsmakers. I'm your host, Lisa Pugh. Governor Tony Evers has introduced his third biennial budget request, requesting record spending and highlighting priority areas like K-12 education, tax cuts, and funding to local governments. There are some signs of bipartisan agreement with some of the governor's ideas, but we are months away from final details and a final deal. Joining us today, Governor Evers, to tell us why his proposal is what's right for Wisconsin. Welcome. Well, well, thanks a lot, Lisa, for inviting me. Good to be here. And yes, we're months away from a conclusion, but we have a good start. So uh, you are in your second term. You mm. won by a healthy margin in November by Wisconsin standards. So a, congratulations. A landslide. Right. <laughs> a, a Wisconsin landslide. Yes. So, and this is also your third biennial budget. Mm -hmm. Are you approaching this budget process differently? Did that make a difference? Your time in office, has that made a difference in how you're going into it? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things. One is I think we are in a position now where it's less contentious. It doesn't mean necessarily that there's going to be different kind of outcomes, but I think there's a lot less kind of anger that that's not there. I think people understand that I'm going to be governor for an, at least another four years. Uh, but then uh, probably the most important thing is we have uh, significant resources. We have, you know, from the Fiscal Bureau indicating that we have $7 billion in, uh, in, our, in our rating day and our surplus. That gives us some opportunities to, to you know, invest in not only things going forward, but also one-time type things. And so it's, uh, it's, it's a re relatively breakthrough budget. We're hoping to accomplish a lot of things that have been kind of left uh, left on the table in the past. So you are proposing what what you've called the largest budget in state history, 24% mm. uh, increase in spending. Mm. Uh, Republicans have said it's reckless spending, it's mm. unsustainable. Uh, they say it increases spending by that 24%. What are your leading arguments? How do you justify why Wisconsin needs that size of a budget? About half of that is put into one-time things that, you know, you know, we're buying down debt on some of the, some of the building projects. We're, and there's a lot of one-time issues that we've had. We're going to take care of them. And, uh, you know, broadband is a good example. You're not going to be putting broadband across the state of Wisconsin for the next 20 years. We're going to get it done over the next four or five and that's, that's a one-time expenditure. So there are lots of one-time expenditures that we're putting in this budget. And so it's, it's easy to you know, use the, the, what the opposition is. Reckless. Reckless spending. That's not, we're, it's one time, a lot of it is one, not everything is one time. We, obviously when we're increasing our K through 12 expenditures significantly, that just can't happen in a one-time thing. So we're, we're moving uh, some of that money into that also because we're on a one-time basis. We can think of, think of it this way is that 
school district won't, ha won't have to go to referendum as often as they do now. And as a result of that, we're going to be saving on property taxes. So we need to look at it in a more holistic way than just those numbers sitting out there. So your budget creates some new programs, there's new positions, right. um, and some ongoing funding obligations, like you mentioned, K-12 spending. How do you... How do you talk about concerns about that adding to future deficits and ongoing spending for the state? Well, we, we look at it in terms of those one-time expenditures, but, al but also, you know, every budget does increase spending at least a little bit. And so there's always going to be projects that have to be done. You know, for example, people are concerned with um, our Department of Safety and Public and, and professional, and services. professional Services. And one of the reasons they had difficulty during the pandemic was uh, the number of people that are actually working there and the number of positions that are needed. And so, yeah, there's a whole bunch of positions there because we're responding to need. Same way with PFAS, who, you know, 10 years ago, who would have thought PFAS was, was such a thing? And it's obviously a huge issue. So there are things that crop up that need to be addressed and you just can't say well we're not going to fund schools this year because we're going to take care of PFAS that just doesn't cut it. So you've delivered on your promise of a 10% tax cut for yeah. the middle class. Uh, Republicans say you pay for it by raising taxes in other areas, for instance, by raising or limiting the manufacturing tax credit, and thus, they say, hurting Wisconsin employers. How do you respond to that? Well, it's, it's frankly, the, the people that uh, have the ability to pay uh, those taxes uh, are not taxed now, and, and so we feel comfortable about that. But that is... That's a small piece. It's not a. It's not a huge piece. It's 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 uh, it's a small number of people in the state of Wisconsin that have had that tax credit for years and years and years, and uh, it's time for uh, for the state to, you know, have have some of those resources back. So it's not fair to say that you're paying for your tax cut by raising no. taxes. No. No. No, it's not. I mean, that's that's a change, but it certainly isn't paying for the tax cuts. There's there's much more in, ta in tax cuts for the middle class. Um, a recent study by national finance consultant Money Geek gives Wisconsin a D grade for its tax burden. Wisconsin Policy Forum has Wisconsin ranked about 18th in the nation for tax burden. Do you agree, as the Republicans have said, that higher taxes are what is forcing people to leave Wisconsin or making Wisconsin less attractive for people to no, move here? No, I, I don't buy that. I mean, for, first of all, we had, in my first two budgets, we had tax cuts that apparently the Republicans uh, were okay with last time, and they're going to be okay th again this time. So three budgets, we've had three, we will have three significant tax cuts this time, a 10% tax cut for middle-class Wisconsinites. In addition, uh, you know, it's it's always interesting where which think tank you go to, but the you know we're we're also investing in our schools so that they're not going to referendum as often, and they're not raising the property taxes as often. So that will be a moderation of the of the tax burden in the state of Wisconsin. People come and go from Wisconsin for various reasons, and one of the reasons I think people leave the state is they're tired of people arguing about you know, the political climate here. And uh, I think if we can do a little better around that, we can get people to stay. But the fact is we have fewer, most people in the state are my age. And uh, if you look at what the number of kindergartners are in the state of Wisconsin, it's a small N. And so 
our population isn't increasing because of that, uh, rather than people fleeing because of the tax burden. Uh, Republicans say that your proposed middle-class tax cut doesn't go far enough. They want to further flatten the tax code. I think right. they've said they maybe abandoned the idea of the flat tax, but they want further flattening at the top of the income scale. Hmm. Are you, are, would you agree to a further flattening at the top of the income scale? It's possible. I mean, I'll, we'll, we'll look at what they come up with, but uh, the it's just my belief, and I think most people in Wisconsin understand that tax cuts should be for the middle class and not for the people that can afford it the most. But if there's something that they want to do over here, I'll, I'll listen to it, but I'm, I'm mostly concerned about the middle class. Uh, Joint Finance co-chairs said at a WISPolitics event that they're wanting to reintroduce uh, the personal property tax repeal bill that you had previously vetoed. Do you mm. think you'll reach an agreement on how to repeal the personal property tax? Yes, yes, we will. And, and uh, the issue has always been we need to make sure that the municipalities and others that, that uh, uh, reaped the, uh, those taxes um, are, not, are held harmless. And, uh, you know, if they, if, they, if they can make that happen, then we can probably get a deal. Uh, you mentioned your priority for K-12 education. Mm -hmm. Record spending for K-12 education in this budget, $2.6 billion in general and categorical aids. That represents a 17.2% increase in spending. Why is that amount necessary for Wisconsin schools? We've, we've always underspent and underutilized um, money for special education kids, always in the state of Wisconsin. Other states do much more. We, we have to move the needle there, and that's an expensive program, but we need to do that. In addition, we're looking at, you know, think about the CDC report that just came out this last week or so, and it talked about how young people, especially young girls, are contemplating suicide. You know, the whole mental health issue is just burgeoning in our, in our schools, and we have to make sure that the school districts have the, they have the resources they need to address these issues. And so we have a large amount of money into both special education and mental health services. We're hoping to get better outcomes by focusing on some different reading opportunities for our kids. And so I, th I think it's a reasonable approach. And also we're, uh, we're making sure that uh, instead of like has been done in the past, where we put more money in, but that money doesn't really go to the schools, it goes to property tax relief. We're gonna give that to the schools, but by them getting it, there will be many fewer referendum. That should be, that should be an outcome too. Uh, schools have received about $1.4 billion in federal mm. COVID relief monies, right. and a considerable amount of that is still unspent. Right. Is it fair to uh, question why schools need that $2.6 billion in state money on top of right. the federal monies that are unspent? The unspent monies for the vast, vast, vast majority of it is already obligated. And it, and it could be in a project that's over three years, but it's obligated already. The school districts uh, build or provide the, the expenditures to the DPI, the DPI approves them. So there's some of that going on. But at the end of the day, those, those dollars are obligated already for different projects. It should be looked at as already spent, is that right, what you're saying? Right, exactly, exactly. It's not just sitting there. It is obligated, and, and the school districts don't even have it. The Department of Public Instruction reimburses them 
when they send they send a, something to say they had this type of expenditure. Those expenditures, using a, in a reading example, if they decided to use that to uh, help kids that may have fallen behind because they weren't in school and they're doing things uh, virtually and it didn't work out very well, that those that spending could happen be happening over three two or three years, and the school districts re get reimbursed from the DPI on a regular basis, so it's obligated. Um, talking about Milwaukee public schools, mm -hmm. so many elementary age kids showing up already behind right. the starting line. Some significant problems in that district. Those schools already providing you know meals, mental health, after school programs right. beyond money. What more can be done to address the core issues at MPS? Well, I think a focus on literacy and reading is important, and and uh, I know the. Uh, the superintendent there has, you know, the, the, the special money that we're putting in there for reading, a lot of that is going to be going to Milwaukee Public Schools for training and so on. So that exists, but we also have to remember that there's, we need to connect the dots. I mean, sometimes kids come to school and living in difficult situations where they don't have the support they need at home. So affordable housing's an issue, transportation's an issue. We, we, we can't just assume, okay, we don't care about this over here. We, well, we do have to because if children are coming to school in from situations that aren't necessarily condu conducive to learning, being ready to learn, hunger, you know, I, and that happens across the state too. I want that's just not a Milwaukee issue. We have, we have people in our lunchrooms on a daily basis, on especially on Mondays, watching kids that are making sure that they're not weaving around in the line because they haven't had enough to eat during the weekend. So all those things are part of it. It isn't just about what happens between that reading teacher and a kid. It's much, much bigger. We're trying to address all of them. You mentioned reading. Uh, Republican leaders have been talking a lot about literacy and reading. There was a hearing in the Capitol this week. Mm -hmm. um, you know this, less than a third of third graders in Wisconsin are reading at proficient levels. You include funding in your budget for 56 literacy coaches statewide and training, another uh, uh, $5 million in other strategies specifically targeted at reading. Is that enough to get some marked improvement on our reading scores? I believe so. I know the superintendent and I have talked about this issue, and we we believe this is the best starting place uh, that we can do it, especially providing training, training, training for those teachers that, frankly, haven't been uh, trained in, in uh, uh, some things that we believe work. So, no, I think it's uh, it's a good start. Is it the end, end piece? No, but it's a good start. Um, in that hearing, there was some talk about what's happening in other states, states like Mississippi and Florida, mm -hmm. uh, and have some of the highest reading scores and have made some marked improvement with some specific reforms. Are you impressed by what's happening in Mississippi and Florida, and do you think that those sorts of reforms should be happening in well, Wisconsin? I think that's, that's somewhat of what this program is about, is what's happening in other places. But I also say that, you know, we it's short-term gain that doesn't necessarily carry over we have to we have to see but we have to do something and this is appropriate way using some I know the state superintendents using some of the ideas that came from the states that you mentioned and so we believe that it, it's uh, the right time do we need to change the way we're training teachers on how to teach reading of course and and, and that is that that's already happening to be honest with you. I've been, been to some, some you know, our university centers that are doing a great job.
more parents are choosing to send their kids to choice in voucher schools. We had the third Friday head counts. Uh, it looks like there's a 40% increase in students attending choice schools than in 2017. Mm-hmm. You freeze enrollment. Why? You have to at some point in time say, let's, let's, let's have a uh, stop to examine how the systems work together. And, you know, one increasing, one decreasing, whether it's the choice, charters, vouchers, it doesn't make any difference, public schools. We just need to take a breath so we can just say, okay, what should this really look like instead of what it looks like now? And hopefully this gives us a pause to do that. Uh, We tried that a couple of other years and it didn't work. I think a pause is the right thing to do at this point in time. Are you open to changing the way that choice schools are funded? Some people are asking for it to be funded through straight general purpose revenue. Yeah, let's, I, I don't want to say no or yes to that. I want to see what, the, what, the, what their suggestions are. All I know is we need kids to be literate and be good, uh, good Wisconsinites no matter where they're going to school. Um, one area that your administration seems to be in close agreement with the Republican legislature is around shared revenues or mm-hmm. funding to local government. Speaker Voss, among others, has said any increase in spending for local governments has to be tied to significant reforms. Mm-hmm. Are you open to that? Is that an area of compromise? I, well, I think it's an area of compromise. Is I think everybody's talking about it and, and believe it's going to happen. Now, the issue of what what uh, what the quid pro quo is on that? That's not clear to me yet, so I'm, I'm not sure. Also, I know is that the amount of money that has gone into local local you know, whether it's uh, cities, counties, municipalities, townships hasn't gone up, and not not just it's actually gone down. Uh, there, I think that the over the last 15 years, the actual increase is 0.04 percent. And you think of the public safety issues, the public health issues, any other. A lot of the hard work in the state is done by local municipalities. We have to, we have to, and I know Republicans and Democrats get this. It's a more, it's an issue about how much and and uh, and what sort of things uh, does the speaker want to uh, make a quid pro quo on it. He, he'll come up with something, and then we'll find out. Uh, Speaker, Speaker Voss did tell local governments at a Wisconsin County's event this week to keep expectations low mm. with regard to the amount of increase in funding. Do you have a reaction to that? I think we should provide as much as we humanly can. The 20% that I have in my budget, that frankly I believe came from Republicans at one time, uh, 20% of the sales tax would bring about a half billion dollars more to municipalities, counties, and uh, townships. I think that's a reasonable thing to do. I mean, they have to, they, they can't, you can't incrementally get back to where you should be in, in by just going small, small amounts of money. They need, we have places now where um, if a fire department is out on one call, that's it. There better not be any fires in that, in that city at that time. So there are significant problems there. We, we need to use you know, we have a bu- we have a budget surplus. We need to, we need to use it, and that's one way to do it. How critical is it for the legislature to get behind that one percent sales tax increase in Milwaukee County? I think it's I think it's important. Uh, Milwaukee is in a desperate situation financially, and I yes, I think it's important. And uh, you know, it, it on my my viewpoint, a referendum is uh, is a, is a requirement, and so the people of Milwaukee would make that determination. How this is going to play out, I'm not sure. 
your budget included some surprises for some people. Mm -hmm. uh, $290 million item to pay for improvements to American Family Field mm -hmm. um, and for over the next two decades. Lawmakers are saying they need more information. Do you think there's a real risk the brewers could leave Wisconsin if we don't reach a deal in the budget? Sure, absolutely. I mean, uh, do they make some money? Yes. Does, does, the, does the amount that they make exceed what the economics of it for Milwaukee and the state of Wisconsin are? No. And so their their business, and if they you know they, if if they have troubles uh, uh, maintaining that facility, we, we we need to help. That's that's how it worked in the past, and that's uh, that's our hope to do it again. We can use one-time money for that because that is a one-time expenditure. Have you had any conversations with American Family Insurance about increasing their obligations to maintenance beyond their naming rights? Yeah, that that has not happened yet. But we will we will you know certainly this beginning point is just to say this is, this is a thing and we need to figure it out and uh, we put that in the budget. I know the Republicans have met with uh, the brewers and I know we've been we met with the brewers and so the conversation has started. We believe this is a good place to start. Uh, Wisconsin businesses are saying that the Wisconsin's greatest challenge right now, workforce shortage. Yeah. What would you point to in your budget as the key proposal on addressing the workforce shortage? Our workforce uh, innovation grants that we we started during the pandemic where we allow local people, regional people to say, okay, this is what we need to focus on here. I'll give you a small example. One of them, one of the groups uh, during the pandemic Door County said, we have a problem with workforce, and obviously a lot of it is based on tourism industry. They, they needed the money in order to have more childcare and have more affordable housing. And that's what they focus on, and that has worked. Different parts of the state, they, they use some of the grant money to provide in rural areas, especially this one I'm thinking about, transportation. One of the things, they went to their local businesses and they said, what, what happened? Uh, people come, they start working, they love working, they did a good job. Transportation became an issue for them, so they kind of created their own uh, private group of people that help people get back and forth from work. So it's going to be different in every place. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, you know, I, I think we also need to have something happen at the federal level to increase and make issues around um, immigration a little bit easier than it is now. It's kind of crazy. But in the meantime, we need to not just wait for that. We, we are going to continue to provide those resources regionally so the technical colleges can um, uh, skill people up to you know, advanced manufacturing levels and, uh, and provide the resources that they need in order to make that happen. Uh, this week at the Wisconsin County's event, um, Speaker Voss also said that a priority for his caucus was affordable housing, workforce mm -hmm. housing. And right. he also talked about wanting to remove local restrictions and regulation on construction. Is that something that you're open to talking about? I'm open to talking about that. Absolutely. We, we have some affordable housing uh, proposals in there, too. But he's right on. Uh, affordable housing is part of workforce development, as, uh, as I mentioned. Um, perhaps another surprise in your budget, budget creation of a paid family leave program. Yes. Um, in the past, Wisconsin's business lobby has opposed expansion of the state's unpaid FMLA program. Right. What's different this time? Why did you propose that? Well, because our, our competitors are doing it or are going to do it. Uh, Minnesota is about ready to create paid leave. 
I believe uh, Illinois already has it. And if we're competing for workers, we have to be co competitive in this arena. So we believe it's a good start. Uh, I know it's... You I think you can get agreement on it? You know, of all the things I've talked about during the, during since the budget came out, I hear more about that than anything else, and in a positive way. People, especially workers, saying, this is important for me to stay in the work in the workplace is to make sure that we have this. Uh, Minnesota is about to embark on this, and I was in the western part of the state. I heard one of my uh, one a business person saying, "We got to do this here because I have people working from Minnesota, uh, from Minnesota that cross the river. They're not going to stay here. They're going to go back to Minnesota, go to work there because they have it. So it's a com it, we have to compete for." Uh, our workforce, and that's one way to do it. Uh, more than 700,000 Wisconsinites owe about $23 billion in student loan debt. Mm -hmm. We heard from the UW system president just this week saying that, that they would be seeking a 5% tuition increase. Are mm -hmm. you concerned about tuition increases? Or do you support a statutory cap on tuition increase? Yeah, that's... Uh, I, I think a reasonable increase can be... Uh, can be uh, I'm okay with. I don't know if five percent is. That seems a little bit high, but uh, it you know the bill that's being proposed is uh, cost of living, and which is more than five percent. Five percent. So, I think we have to put it in the context of what the state kicks into the system, and uh, if they're not, if the state's not doing their best as far as providing resources, and obviously it's going to have to happen via some some sort of increase. We have had no increase for a long time. We're, I'm sure we're one of the lowest public um, uh, institutions in, in the Big Ten. And so maybe a small increase is enough, whether 5% is too big, too small. I, I'm not on the Board of Regents anymore. I can't judge that, but uh, they'll make the right decision. Uh, your budget includes seven different proposals to address forever chemicals, sometimes referred to as PFAS, uh, $116 million. Do you think that both sides of the aisle now uh, see this as an urgent issue? Absolutely, because it's happening in re Republican areas and Democratic areas, but frankly, mostly Republican areas. And I think people understand, and I think you've probably seen the, the data on a national study about uh, the level of uh, PFAS in fish the, across the country. They're talking about hundreds of thousands of uh, parts per trillion instead of 70 in, in a consumable. So we, 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 we have to address this in a really significant way as much as possible. People of Wisconsin deserve to have clean water. And one of the ways to do that is to make sure PFAS are not part of that that water view. And so that means mitigating, that means holding people accountable, that means testing. It's that the money we put in there is, is, a, is important for us to get a handle on this issue. And of course, I think Republicans and Democrats get that. What do you see as the, what do you predict as the biggest area of compromise in this budget? Compromise and agreement. Yeah, I I would say it it, ha it has to be something around shared revenue because uh -huh. we've all been talking about it and people understand that over the last 15 years it hasn't been correct and let's move on by getting it to a better place. Biggest disagreement? Hmm. Probably of um, probably the level of funding for schools. I would bet. 
What do you enjoy most about the budget process? The budget process itself, I'll tell you what I like about the budget process, and it's the same thing I like about this job, and that's getting out of the capital bubble and the politics of that and actually talking to people locally, finding out what they want, see what they're concerned about, talk about taxes, whatever, and that's, that's my job. That's important. I, I bring that to the table as we discuss these things. Final words of advice for the legislature as they take up your budget proposal? Be thorough. You know, the idea that somehow you're, you're going to dismiss this or that, frankly, I think all that's just kind of blah, blah, um, because they will. But be thorough, give every, and have hearings, and have, have the people be heard. I think that's just the most important thing. All right. Well, thank you, Governor Evers, for joining us Thanks, today. Thanks, Lisa. Appreciate it. And thank you to the viewers of Newsmakers. Be sure to tune in again as I highlight the issues and sit down with the decision makers who make a difference for all of us. This program is a production of Wisconsin Eye, an independent, nonpartisan, nonprofit media network with a mission to inform, educate, and engage the citizens of Wisconsin. Wisconsin Eye is the nation's first and only independently funded state civics broadcast network, providing gavel-to-gavel -gavel access to government proceedings and events at the state capitol.